Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, I am joined by Chris Turley. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Jeremy. And I may call you Chris. I may call you Turley. I hear you go by both names. So we'll see how I flex between those. Chris is the Senior Director of Sales Operations at Bill.com. If you are not familiar with Bill.com, they provide accounts payable and accounts receivable automation for the SMB sector. We're going to hit a bunch of topics. One is we'll talk, obviously, about how do you adjust your quotas and your processes when you get a positive shock to the system. And then we'll talk a little about tool adoption. We'll talk about onboarding your own boss, which Chris has had to do a couple times, and I've had to do a couple times. We just thought that'd be a fun topic to do. Before we get into all those topics, Chris, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everyone, which is if you could share with us your favorite sales book and maybe one or two of the key takeaways you got from that book. I've kind of got a couple there. First off, thanks for the introduction. It's been a crazy, crazy fun time. Glad to be able to join you with uh, some sort of normalcy with the podcast. I'm a huge fan of kind of learning through different self-help books. And one of them has always been a favorite of mine is spin selling. I just like the methodology of, of actually going in and trying to find out what's going on with somebody, what are they trying to solve, and then finding out that solution. I, there's so many different methodologies out there. I think spin was just you know one of the first ones I was introduced to, so it holds a special place in my heart. When it comes to like the management side and sales operations, there's two main books there. One is Influence Without Authority, which I feel like we do so much in sales operations, helping get to the appropriate decision, whether it's with finance, marketing, sales, uh, your own leadership, your own team could be BI. So how do you kind of navigate those and get everyone to the appropriate answer? And then Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One specific chapter in that is seek to understand and then be understood, which is something that I struggled with more in my career was like, hey, the numbers say this, the numbers say this. Yeah. One, I think, unique thing about spin selling is that many of the other methodologies, if you will, are more qualification methodologies. And spin, I don't think of as a qualification methodology as much as I think of it as a conversation methodology. Let's actually start with how do you think about quota and targets and forecasting in the context where you have had a destabilization? It's been a very interesting time for us. A lot of it is working with our own sales leadership, looking at the numbers, things of the like of sales automation tools, like what SalesOff provides, even looking at Chorus or Gong and you know how those sales enablement tools and all these things in the past you know five, six years that have really sprung up to help us. But it's still a very delicate conversation whenever you're talking to a salesperson about money and quota. Some segments may actually see their quotas increase. Some segments may see their quotas decreased. How do you address the fairness and not lose your best sellers? The number one thing is making sure that the culture of the sales reps know that the company is not going to try to do anything that's ultimately going to hurt them or disadvantage them intentionally. And that if something does go out of whack, say a pandemic, that the company is going to still look and make decisions with a focus of what's in your best interest for your best sellers. I like your point about your reps who've been there for a while know that the social contract is there and know that's going to happen. They just kind of expect that to happen. And without having that social contract or that understanding and rapport with your sellers, they're not going to sell in April. They're not going to sell in May. They're going to be spending all their time being upset about how they feel they've been treated, looking for other jobs, like just almost like sulking in this. If you have this understanding of, hey, if we're way off the mark here, we'll make sure that we take care of everyone. 
anywhere from you know 66% to 80% of your rep should be attaining quota. And if they're not, then your quotas are too high and you might need to do a relevel on that. I've had it with teams where we set an aggressive goal and every single one of them missed. And at that point, it's on me, right? It's on me to go back to finance, to leadership and say, when we're doing the sales strategy on this and we just missed the mark and we need to make an adjustment on the back end. And with that, you know, you, you garner that trust so that you can continue to do that. If you're always missing your quota marks, people are going to start leaving and you're going to get these great sellers that are looking for other opportunities. I'm curious what measures you have in place to actually assess sales productivity. I always like to do more of a waterfall effect, right? So you're you're looking at the top, which is like how many deals are BDR sourcing that are turning into closed ones or getting into pipeline? And then you take the step down and say, how many you know, SQOs do you have? And then you get into like, well, what's your talk time? Like how many accounts are you trying to work into? And then lastly, if for some reason all of those metrics looks bad, then, you, then you're like, well, are you even picking up the phone? I'm not a fan of like starting with the... Well, you just have to have activity metrics at X because we've got some of our BDRs that make half the calls of others, but they're way better at understanding and doing the research. And I don't want to change how that person sells, which is something that I think you have to be careful of with all of these tools that we have is you don't want to put every seller in the exact same box because we all sell a little different, right? The way I talk to my sales leadership is probably a little different than how you talk to your sales leadership. And that's not to say either one is more correct than the other. It's just our approach and our personality. You have to allow your sellers to do that. So one of the things that's been so hard is the sales productivity world has just blown up in this awesome way in the last five years. And it's almost to the point where we've bought all these tools. This is where marketing was almost you know seven, eight years ago. Where we bought all these tools. And it's like, are we using them? Are sales reps getting the value out of them? How do you go through and do that? This was actually your recommendation. We're putting together a task force for our sales operations where it's like, let's get a sales rep from each team to talk about this. Where are they seeing value? What are they hearing from their team? And how do we go through and, and make sure the training's there? Because some people might not use a tool because they just don't know how to use it right. What have you found are some critical ways to actually drive adoption of the tools that you're providing them? I think the front end of the training and getting the buy-in as to why are we doing this, a lot of reps have a tendency to say, oh, we're buying this because of X, and they're not bought into the reason, right? Um, one of them is like data enrichment, whether it's you know Zoom info slash discover.org or even LinkedIn sales navigator kind of works in there. And you kind of get this feel from them of why am I calling these lists? They stink. Like these numbers don't work or they don't work at this company anymore. And you kind of have to take a step back and give your sales reps at least a, an overall view of we're going after this software because of X. Like this is what we're expecting to get out of it. This is how it should help you give them a little bit of like the whiff them what's in it for me and start there. And then it's a robust training of how to utilize the tool. And then what I've really found is most of your reps aren't going to listen during that training, no matter how robust it is. So you have to do a retrain. You actually have to go back and say, hey, how are we using this? And check in. I've had to force myself and my teams to check back in in six weeks and say, hey, we implemented that. How is it going? Is there a V2 to this? What are some of the things that we've gotten from our focus groups? Can we make it better? One thing I found so important is... A, the buy-in of first-line sales managers, if they believe, then you're in good shape. And then the other piece is people will do as the best rep does. 
I think you brought up a really good point, and it's something I've been struggling with with this like strain fatigue, this tool fatigue. Every tool in itself is super important, but we really throw the onus down on the frontline manager. Is the frontline manager going in and if it's a sales automation tool like SalesLoft, are you looking at the sequences? Are you making sure that people are actually following up? And then you're supposed to go over to Gong or Chorus and read through what they're doing. Or are they adding leads appropriately through LinkedIn? Are they multi-threading their deals with other people onto the opportunity? The onus we've put onto the frontline managers is just a lot. But then we have a lot of our sales leadership, right? And a lot of our sellers, which they're relationship-based. They want to talk with somebody and hear it out and feel it out. They're not like, let me look at a dashboard and then coach you based off these numbers. And so with that, we're starting to get to is saying, hey, if you have a CFO, a controller, or or senior leadership within finance on this opportunity, it closes this much more. So when you're going through your pipeline review, start looking for this stuff. So at least we're able to take some of that to them and give them the action because just giving these managers the data doesn't always help. Like you've got to actually tell them to your point, what are the insights from this? What are you actually seeing? And what's the action that they need to take from it? And I think from there, once they get the, when I see this thing and it's red, I need to go talk to this person about this. Then I think we start to see that adoption. Then you have more of the buy-in as to why we have all these tools. Eventually, that should help pull down from this sales enablement tool fatigue. I personally look for people that are BI intensive that are actually going to be able to look into product databases and revenue tables and, and be able to write more complex queries to pull this out. And then we typically go through this process of like helping them understand the business portion. I feel like it's easier to teach somebody the business lens of sales and how you look at it in the approach than it is to teach somebody how to write, you know, SQL or Python. We've typically like very much viewed it from that lens. So it's basically a data analyst, probably most often coming from the finance department, then you teach them the language of sales. Yeah. And we've taken data analysts, you know, that are more from like a BI product position and pulled them in as well. Very cool. Well, I did want to hit our last topic briefly, which uh, is a selfish question because we have a new chief revenue officer at SalesLoft. And I'd love some tips from someone who's been there and done that of onboarding your own boss. So what are some tips you have for me to successfully onboard my new boss? Yeah, it's so interesting, right? Because you get so excited going through the interview process. You meet this person, you know their credentials, and they get on and you're just like, all right, what can you teach me? Very selfishly, right? And then realize, oh, I'm actually going to spend the next three months teaching you all of these things. What tools are we using? What numbers do we think are important? How do we set territories? How do we set quotas? How do we rate our sales reps, right? You know, most of our our good CROs are going to come in and They'll have ideas of things that they've done in the past and big ones they've had uh, at previous companies, but they're going to have to sit back and go, what have we done? What have we saw? Onboarding your boss, it's been a lot of taking somebody through almost painfully like a five-year-old because there's a lot of things there that I think when you're so close to where you can't see the forest through the trees, all those kind of metaphors of allowing somebody to say, this is the reason we built this and how we went down this path. Specifically with Bill.com, we have a very complex system. And it's one of those things where if I just say, oh, this is how we do this quickly, there's so many little things that are missed that that person might not care about in a month or two, but it helps give them the perspective of how and why we built this. And then they can start asking questions and we don't get this oh, well, we do it that way because that's how we've always done it. It's, well, there was a lot of thought and decision behind this. This is the one we went with. Now that we're tied to it, 
but what else can we do? And then I think the other thing is being very open to that feedback and open to those questions and taking an honest assessment of why do we do this stuff? Like, are there some wins there? Because an outside set of eyes on, on a lot of our systems, a lot of our numbers and a lot of our process is normally a really good thing that should be celebrated. And I think a lot of us have a tendency to be more defensive than going like, holy cow, someone else has got a chance to poke holes in here. Maybe we can find an extra percentage point here or there. Well, it was uh, amazing chatting. I'd love to keep going, actually, because I think we got topic after topic and even to go deeper on some of the ones we have. I do have one final question for you, which is I was staring at your LinkedIn picture. and I always encourage listeners to connect with our guests. And I'm trying to figure out what you're doing in that picture. You got a hard hat on. You got some serious gloves on. Um, Yeah, it's actually so a friend of mine is a recruiter and I had like your typical business profile picture on there. And he was, uh, he's a friend of mine. So he's going through my Facebook. He's like, this should be your LinkedIn profile picture. Cause you just, you look like you're having a lot of fun. And in your role and profession, like that's probably a good thing for your sales leaders to see. I'm in Puerto Vallarta and I'm, uh, I'm actually zip lining and doing this whole course through the same jungle that they filmed predator in. So it's climbing up different ladders that are like within the, uh, I guess it's technically a jungle, doing a bunch of zip lining, riding around in, in uh, four wheelers. It was an absolute blast. And I think my smile kind of shows that. Yeah, you're, you're looking like you're having fun in that picture. I thought you were doing maybe electrical work or something like that. <laughs> it, it, it definitely leaves room for storytelling. Well, if people do want to connect with you or learn more about opportunities at build.com, what's the best way for them to do those two things? Reaching out on LinkedIn is probably the best way to go through and do that. I'm on LinkedIn a ton. Like I love to go through and just see what everyone else is kind of posting and doing that. Sending me emails, I get 200 or so of those like we all do a day. So I think LinkedIn is probably the best place for me to connect with new people. Well, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom today. Thanks for having me. This was a blast. Take care. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.